Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable business development and marketing insights from legal innovators. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm joined by Jenna Shipakase, who's the Marketing and Business Development Director at Rosenberg Martin Greenberg. Jenna, great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your firm and perhaps a few words about your background, Jenna. Sure. I am the Director of Marketing and Business Development at Rosenberg Martin Greenberg. We are a 35-attorney business firm headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. We have two satellite offices, one in Annapolis, Maryland, and one in Wilmington, Delaware. And I came to legal marketing in 2010 by root of temporary insanity, whereby I originally wanted to become a lawyer. But after a few years in the industry in various administrative functions and a rather painful round of LSATs, I realized that I was not passionate about practicing, but I really loved legal and I wanted to find a home sort of on the business side of things. So I was given the opportunity to build this role within my firm, and I really enjoyed creating it and growing it to what I view as being a really valuable part of the team at this point. Absolutely. That's great. So you have a uh, like-mindedness to your lawyers, given that it was a path that you once considered for yourself. I'm sure that's a, a big part of your success at the firm, which we'll get into in a moment. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about some of the work and initiatives that you've been able to engender in your role. So I think developing sort of a coaching relationship with my attorneys has definitely changed the sort of overall trajectory of the firm's culture. And being in a smaller firm affords me the luxury of being able to foster real relationships with each of our attorneys and really understand their practices and see opportunities for building on them and cross-selling. And I'm able to leverage technology and other, you know, sort of limited resources in a firm of our size to make sure that we're operating efficiently and effectively in our prospecting and our client service initiatives. And over the years, we've really made an effort to tailor our initiatives to focus on each industry or practice group's audience and to sort of cut the fat on things that aren't working. And for some, that could be creating a targeted microsite with highly optimized content marketing strategy and SEO. For others, it's using our CRM and pipeline tracking tools like yours to closely monitor their current clients and their prospects and keep an eye on referral sources and make sure nothing falls off their radar. For others, it's just being more strategic about responding to RFPs and putting forth the right client team to show the breadth of experience that the firm has. And basically, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And that's what I've really loved about this role is that everyone's unique and I get to work one-on-one with each of them to figure out what the best fit is for their goals. So at a 35-lawyer firm, I would expect there wouldn't be quite so many practice areas or initiatives in play, and and yet what you've just mentioned strikes me as being a lot of the tentpoles that we look for even at larger firms. Um, How is it that you've been able to bring this level of complexity and to encourage the lawyers to adopt things like RFP, pipeline management? I mean, we work with larger firms who are still getting their arms around that concept. Well, I know that the majority of our attorneys sort of defected from larger firms, and so maybe that mentality was a little bit homegrown in them to begin with. So it wasn't a completely foreign concept to adopt technologies like that. I also think that the small size allows us to be really hands-on in teaching and reinforcing all of these initiatives to them. And so I think it's a little more palatable than maybe a larger firm where there's not as much 
one-on-one coaching going on. Sure. Well, this is the second time you've mentioned one-on-one coaching. And again, with this ratio of one of you, I assume that, that you are the marketing department, or do you have anybody else working with you there? No, that's it. You're talking to her. Yeah, you're it. Okay. So there's one of you and 35 of them. That's not a bad ratio. Um, so are you able to provide one-on-one coaching to all of the lawyers? About 90%. At least twice a year, we have our business development check-in meetings, which is about an hour where I have them trapped in a room and we go through their business development plan and figure out what's working and what's not and how can we build on it and sort of make it a living document that reflects what they plan to do in the next six months. And then we have a smaller group that we do sort of a business development intensive program with where we work using the practice pipeline software and make sure that they're staying on top of their pursuits on a more regular basis where I pop in for 10 or 15 minutes once a week and just sort of hash out what's been working, what's not, what's on the horizon, and you know how can we make it better going forward. Okay, so you've got twice a year a business planning, high-level strategic conversation with the lawyers uh, as a larger group. And yep. then once a week, you say, you meet with about 90% of the lawyers for about 10 minutes each to drill into the specific targets on their pipelines, which of course funnel back up to those plans that they've developed with you uh, semi-annually. So that group is much smaller. That group is about uh, 12. Got it. 12 lawyers are meeting with regularly on a weekly basis to look at their pipeline pursuits. Do you find that they are amenable to that conversation? They're not blowing you off. They're not, oh, I've got a client emergency. Can't talk to you right now. You know, I think it was met with semi-open arms because the the message was delivered that we were going to embark on this initiative from the managing partner. And so since it trickled down from the top that, you know, you were sort of selected for this group that's going to receive a little bit more attention from the marketing department because we believe it, that you can improve on the skills that you've already shown. So these are sort of superstar senior associates and junior partners who feel like they can really move the needle. And so it was almost giving them the opportunity to get more help to achieve the goals that they really wanted to achieve anyway, but they didn't quite know how to get from A to B. And so um, I won't say that they never blow me off, but for the most part, they, they keep their promises and we do meet for the most part every week. Well, that's impressive. And it's great to see you have a culture that is embracing business development and embracing your contribution as an accountability factor in that equation. So walk me through, without disclosing details, but walk me through a successful pipeline coaching session. Uh, I know a lot of the people who are listening to today's podcast uh, coach their lawyers. Some of them may even be using practice pipeline to coach their lawyers or some other pipeline management system. A lot of them may just be using an Excel spreadsheet. But at the end of the day, um, the tool is less important than the results. So you're sitting down with a lawyer. You've got 10 minutes of their time. Uh, Walk us through how that process looks and what kinds of insights or or direction you tend to provide? Sure. So I typically try to take a look at their dashboard before I go in there. And nine times out of 10, I can see that they've just accessed it five minutes before we're supposed to meet, which means at least they're paying attention to the fact that we have a meeting coming up. Um, But I (laughs) take a look at you know, what has lapsed, what's a red tile, what has not been dealt with. And typically, those are the ones that I think they don't want to deal with. It's, It's usually less of that the client or the prospect is not responding, but it's something that they're not sure where to go next. So that's first on my list of things to address. You know, why is this person 
two weeks overdue? Why have you not reached out to them? Is it because you're afraid of what they're going to say? Is it because you don't really want to deal with it? Is it because you just don't understand why it's not sticking and you don't know what direction to turn in? So I try and deal with those first because if we can head off the really tough questions at the beginning, then the rest of it's all sort of gravy. So how much of it do you find is psychological fear? Like, oh, I don't want to, you know, come across as a pest or whatever that sort of internal monologue is versus they just don't know what to say. You know, a lot of times we find that the lawyers just run out of proactive outreach, right? Like I sent them an article and I invited them to that event. And now what? I just don't know what to do next. Right. I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes it, I think it definitely is fear, fear of rejection, fear of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. Sometimes it's just sort of like a writer's block issue where they just don't know what the right next move is and suggesting something very simple just gets them, sort of shakes them out of that fog. I think sometimes they're afraid to throw in the towel when the effort's really not worth it anymore. And I I try to stress that it's okay to let some of these go. It's okay to, to move on and say, you know, maybe in a year I'll reach back out again and see if things have changed, but it's not a failure if every single one of the people that you are pursuing doesn't turn into a a new engagement. It's a good idea. You always want to be whittling down that list to the ones that have the highest yield, right? Right. And that more is not more sometimes. So some of them will have tons and tons and tons of pursuits out there, but if they're not all really being carefully dealt with, then it's all sort of for naught. So I think just having that human being in their office telling them that it's okay to let some of these things slide. It's okay to think about things a little bit differently once in a while. Um, seems to be working out pretty well for our team. That's great. Okay, so that's the first step, looking at those red tiles, or for those of you who are less familiar with Practice Pipeline, just your, your overdue pursuits, the people who haven't heard from you uh, in a certain period of time. So once you deal with that low-hanging fruit, where do you go next? Typically, the ones that are impending, so the ones that are within the next week or the yellow tiles in Practice Pipeline's case, um, would be the next ones that I would deal with because I want to make sure that they are prepared and ready for whatever is coming up immediately. So um, I make sure that they've done their research, that they have looked into anything that I think would be a good talking point before they go to meet with him or her. And then after that, we look at the further reaching tiles, so the green tiles in Practice Pipeline and try and figure out if it's strategic that they've placed them out that far, if there's a reason behind it, if it's that there's a holiday coming up or you know some sort of a conflict coming up, or if it's that they're just pushing them off because they don't know what to do with them. And so we sort of walk through that back and forth a little bit at the end of the meeting, and that pretty much fills up 10 to 15 minutes right there. Yeah. I want to uh, underscore something. So you talked about how nine times out of 10, your lawyers will log in to Practice Pipeline five or 10 minutes before they meet with you. So obviously, there is a a proclivity toward procrastination, right? And it's obviously not just at your firm. This is something that um, I could say most lawyers do, and I would even say that most human beings do. So um, we know that if you weren't showing up, they probably wouldn't log in very often at all. And then we know that because of that, tendency toward procrastination, that they probably wouldn't give a lot of forethought to the opportunities that are coming down the pike, what you just characterized as the yellow tiles or the ones that are even further out than that, the green ones. But that forethought is so important. And the uh, accountability that you are bringing to the equation, especially as it pertains to those overdue or dormant relationships represented by the red tiles, those would just go completely neglected. So this role that you play 
as the coach, as their friend, as someone who's going to help them strategize, ideate, and talk through the various challenges, use their strategic minds, which are keen, but simply not directed in this area. You end up being the catalyst for that process and that drive. And in turn, having that additional sort of accountability arm of the software is what makes me able to do my job in the way that I do because, like I said, I'm a, I'm a team of one, so there's only so many places I can be at one time. And having that additional reminder, whether it's via the mobile app or the emails that come out that keep them on top of it, even if they're not actually doing the legwork until the very last minute, I'll take whatever they, whatever they can put forth as long as they're staying on top of it and they see that they're you know, falling a little bit behind on the firm score or whatever the case may be. Well, and this is the thinking behind the concept of pipeline management in general. Again, doesn't necessarily have to be practice pipeline, but if the lawyers who have, generally speaking, excellent relationships in the business community can just focus some of their energy on being proactive with those relationships, the difference that it makes to the firm from a business development perspective, from a revenue generation perspective, can really be profound. Have you seen that at your firm? Absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of times I try to act as sort of the voice of the client in speaking with the lawyers and framing out, you know, whether or not something is worth pursuing. And sometimes I think they just want the initiative to work and they haven't thought strategically about whether or not it's going to be profitable for the firm. So we have some tough conversations around that sometimes. Um, but I also think that if somebody's not focusing on the bottom line and driving quality business to the firm, then things get lost in translation sometimes. Yes, a lot can slip through those six-minute increments. Absolutely. So um, talk to us a little bit about specifically how you're tying your marketing and BD initiatives to ROI. We're starting to go there here with this conversation the idea that the accountability and the coaching that you're providing using a pipeline management system with your lawyers and this regular uh, uh, accountability weekly 10-minute check-in time is uh, resulting in a business product to the firm. How do you sort of tie those two things together and help the lawyers see that their efforts are um, well worthwhile? So much to my managing partner's chagrin, I love metrics and measurement. Um, If I had the support and the capacity to measure every initiative we set forth to accomplish, I would, but I don't. So I measure what I can. Um, We track pitches and proposals, and we debrief afterwards to see what could have been done better next time, who won instead of us, just the same thing that everybody else does, why we think that happened. Um, We also track our larger client events and measure new matters opened by those who were involved in hosting the event for those who attended the event um, to try to tie some ROI back to client events. And we also track new prospects who were introduced at those events. And if new matters are opened within a reasonable amount of time after the event, we we track that as well. I won't overinflate things to say that we measure ROI on everything that we could because I just don't really have the bandwidth to make sure that we're getting every single angle that we could. But I consider my role to be one that should be driving tangible business to the firm and not defining that value strikes me as being a a missed opportunity. That makes perfect sense. Well, I'm sure that the metrics that you are capturing and reporting on are at least giving the firm a good handle, if perhaps not the most thorough, 
but you know, clearly you're, you're doing what you can with the resources that you have. A good handle on where their efforts are yielding results and where they can start to do a little more over here and maybe a little less over there. Yeah, I think over the past, I don't know, five or six years, we've really combed through and made sure that we are being the most strategic we possibly can in terms of our initiatives. And I think that the firm appreciates that and and sees the way that the the market is going and that it's necessary to think about it from a 10,000-foot view instead of just, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, sure. And so just to reiterate, the things that you're focused on are the things that you've prioritized, because, of course, as you pointed out, there's 100 things that you could be tracking. But the things that you have tied most significantly to ROI are RFP success, pitches and their success, and then uh, key relationships through a pipeline management tracking system. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Okay. Well, those are the three metrics we should be looking for if we expect to see the outbound business development tied to money. So fantastic. Thank you for spelling that out for us. No problem. Do you have any uh, parting thoughts for the audience? Anything you'd like to leave them with, whether it's uh, a word or two of advice or whether there's uh, anything that uh, you wish you'd known a year ago that has been uh, particularly helpful to you to glean in the past 12 months? I think that I've found that you don't get what you don't ask for. And it's often better to do first and apologize later than to wait for permission in this industry. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the initiatives that have been successful within the firm um, have been a result of just that. And I'm fortunate to have some really amazing attorneys at this firm who treat me as the go-to person at the firm in my areas of expertise, just like I do to them. So I think that fostering relationships with your internal clients as the attorneys are, are just as important as the attorneys fostering relationships with the external clients of the firm. That makes good sense. Um, it sounds like you really enjoy a a great synergy with your lawyers. I really take to heart what you said about um, asking for permission uh, being something that can take forever at a law firm, even at a small firm like yours, but certainly at larger firms, the bureaucracy alone and all of the politics and the egos involved can um, completely stall out the best of intentions. Whereas if you just pull the trigger and uh, ask for uh, forgiveness later, Um, As long as you can show some early results, you're more than likely going to get that through the pipeline a lot faster. So I think that's that's a a great nugget for us. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for your time and for your insights today. It's really good to hear about the work that you're uh, doing at your firm. I think Rosenberg, Martin Greenberg is lucky to have you, and uh, we're certainly grateful to be working with you. And I wish you all the best as you continue uh, with the initiatives that you just walked us through. Thank you very much, David. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.